Welcome to Why Should I Care, where I, Shashir Pandey, look to help young people find and follow their dreams while reminding older people that they used to dream too. In this episode, I speak with John Robinson, the backup CEO. He makes his money by advising CEOs across America. My name is John Robinson, and I live in San Diego, and my heart is in Chicago. So I'm from Chicago, and I am a serial entrepreneur, and I just love, love, love to expand and help people. So I can't wait to share all that I have to, uh, and setbacks and learning and luck. All right. Well, we'll get right right into it, actually. I, I tend to like to focus on everyone's sort of origin story, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the X-Men. I, I want to take it back to like grade five so that you'd be like 10 years old. Um, if someone were to ask you at that time, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you have said? Well, I, I can't say what, what I would have said because this happened. And I'll move us to fourth okay. grade. So I was in a fourth, fifth grade class. It was a blended class in Matson, Illinois. And my school mm-hmm. teacher was putting together a story for everyone in the room. So she asked all the students, what did they want to be when they grew up? And I said that I wanted to own businesses. And she said, you want to be an entrepreneur. And in fourth grade, I heard the word that I'd never (laughs) heard before. I couldn't spell the word, didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it was English. And it stuck. So fast forward from fourth grade to me being 48 years old. I am exactly what I said I was going to be is as an entrepreneur. Yeah, which is cool. I'm a, I also went through a similar I wanted to be a an engineer when I was quite young. I think earlier than grade 4 or 5 as well. And that stuck for the whole time and then I became an engineer and I'm technically an engineer, but now I'm the director of marketing at a company. So it's kind of a bit of a strange off the beaten path story there. But uh, I heard, I have another episode which talks about my entire or- origin story. In any case, one of my other podcast guests, um, he's he owns a real estate company and he was similar to you. He He knew he wanted to to be in real estate and he knew he wanted to be in a capacity where he was his own boss. And so he chose not to go to university. And I'm wondering if that's a common thing for, for people who have that drive and vision. Yeah. Well, I'll go into a little of the story, which will include that. But for those listening, Mm -hmm. when I stated in fourth grade, what I wanted to be, and then at 48 years old, that's what I am. It was not a linear just from A to B. It was A Mm -hmm. to B to D back to C to G back to D. It was all over the place. So this idea of a perfect plan, 
it does not exist. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So when I think of origin, I think of birth. So I'll tell you just a little bit of, of where I come from, because I think a lot of entrepreneurship starts almost from the embryo. It really does. And mm -hmm. my mother was a 19-year-old single mother in a small town with not a lot of hope, aspirations, or ambitions other than to get out of that town. And for those that know the movie Footloose, it's just that type of small, small, small town. And she mm -hmm. had a friend's name in Chicago. And she, her friend said, come to Chicago. So my mother, with a six-month-old bouncing baby boy, which is me, hops <laughs> on a plane with $100 and a friend's name in Chicago and starts our life. So immediately from my birth, my first memories weren't really memories. They were vibrations of, all right, grit. We're going to do this. Be fearless. We're going to figure this out. So I didn't know mm -hmm. what that meant, but that was the energy that I was around from an early infancy stage. So prior to that, mm -hmm. to that, um, you know, fourth grade time from fourth grade back, I am with a single mom who then finds a love of her life who becomes my dad, which on paper stepfather, but that doesn't count to me. It was my dad since I was a year and a half years old. That's, <laughs> you know, kind of where the family dynamic feeds into this and, you know, then we fast forward to fourth grade when I'm asked, hey, what do you want to be? And I say, I want to own businesses. And then all of a sudden, I have a new word in my vocabulary and I start pursuing it. Mm -hmm. so, so from there, you ask about education. Um, yet again, I said I wanted to be a business owner and the school system under, under junior high, high school, they tell you you want a job. And that's what you, you end up mm -hmm. believing, even though you said in fourth grade you wanted to own businesses. There weren't there. Yes, there's a couple of business classes in in high school. There's an accounting class and things like that, but nothing like entrepreneurship, which was this word I learned in fourth grade. There was no entrepreneurship mm -hmm. classes, but there was accounting classes. So in high school, I guess I was good with numbers because I was good enough to where the high school teacher says, I want you in advanced accounting. And you should go to college and be an accountant. So I said, mm -hmm. okay. So then I picked the, the school that's closest to home with the best accounting program. And that's what I pursue. Mm -hmm. So then I go to undergrad there. And again, when you're trying to, to uh, take apart kind of who a person is or an entrepreneur and what it's about, both of my parents didn't graduate. They barely graduated high school. So I had no college ambitions put in front of me. It was, yeah. it was parents that came from the Air Force and the Army. And when I say came from Air Force and Army, my mom was in the Army for only the short time of two years. Dad was six years. So I w it wasn't a family of armed forces, but it was enough to know that that was the option they chose after graduating high school. 
So I'm put in the predicament of, I don't know what college is, but I'm going to figure it out. Kind of like my mother. I don't know what Chicago is, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. So, so we end up, we end up going to, I end up making the selection and going to undergrad and I hate accounting in the first like year. (laughs) So, so all of a sudden I'm forced to, figure out what is it that I want to do because I was doing really bad in grades and you name it. So fast forward the Mm -hmm. first two years in undergrad and I had barely the minimum grades to apply into the business school because first two years it's pre-business. So Mm -hmm. I end up, um, you know, applying to the business school with my college roommate and one of my best friends we all got the letters the same day and we all opened the letters together. Mm-hmm. We opened the letters together. My college roommate, Roy opens his up. It says you're denied into the business school. Mm. My best friend, Eric opens his up. Mm-hmm. It says you're denied in the business school. I open mine up. Mm-hmm. It says you're denied. So all three of us are denied in the business school. And in my heart, I said, I'm getting into the business school no matter what. My -hmm. college roommate says, I'm going back home to junior college. My best friend, Eric, Mm -hmm. says, I'm transferring schools. So Mm -hmm. that moment right there was one of those irrational moments where it made no logical sense for me to believe that I would get into a business school, but my heart Mm -hmm. said that I would. So what did I do? I mean, this is one of the characteristics that I believe entrepreneurs should be really aware of, or just people in general. It's it's, all right, Mm -hmm. if I want to go from point A to point B, now that I've been told no, now that it's become a boundary or a hurdle or a constraint are in front of me now, mm-hmm. the first thing to do is think, okay, who can I talk to? Who can I ask mm-hmm. for help? Who can I get to listen to me and get to listen to my story? So what I did is I asked my friend Eric, my best friend Eric, I said, hey, I'm going to get in. I know you're going to another school. Who should I talk to? And he says, you should talk to the Monique. She was the head of uh, the business advisory. She was business advisory services for the business school. Mm-hmm. So I, I go yeah. there, talk to her. She gives me the plan. She says, you can't get in the business school, but what I can do is give you permits to take classes and you can, you can have a business minor. So in mm-hmm. my mind... I just heard her say she would give me as many business classes as I want as long as I got B or better. So I figured, mm-hmm. hmm, let me go look at the college catalog, see all the classes I need mm-hmm. to take to graduate the marketing degree, and take those classes. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to one month before graduation, I have mm-hmm. all the credits to get into the business school, but yet – I am an economics major because I had to choose a major and I had to go into liberal arts school and I chose economics. So I Mm -hmm. went to Monique, said, hey, 
look at, look at this. And she's like, there's nothing else I can do for you. I know you've earned this, but you are an economics major. So you can get a degree, a general studies degree, because you have enough credits. But mm-hmm. the only thing I could say is talk to the dean of the business school. So I'm 22 <laughs> years old. I yep. am. I never told anybody in my family that I was in the business school. They've been telling everybody I've been in the business school all four years. And <laughs> yeah, so I walk, I walk into the Dane's office. He looks at me and looks at the folder that has my name on it as he's looking in the folder. And he says, as I sat down, I see why you're here. And I don't want to know how you did it, but I cannot mm-hmm. say no to something that you've earned. So he says, welcome to the business mm-hmm. school. So that was one of those moments <laughs> that, that yeah. was, was to me set the tone of the pattern that I recognized that I needed to get into to be significant. And I'm not going to say successful. I'm going to say significant. And the reason why I use significant because I was the first to graduate college in my family. Um, mm-hmm. I have two younger sisters who I was a role model to, or maybe still am. And they probably say I still am, but it was significant for me to figure this out. And if you look at the steps, first things first, keep your dream. Second thing, ask for help. Third thing, do anything and everything possible to do your best. And that, those are the first few steps. And I could probably list about 10 other ones, but, but those are the first few that got me going in the direction I needed to go to get my degree. Now, remember, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was brainwashed into believing that I had to get a job, but I, I still got my degree. So, so that's my education. So I talked a little bit about my birth, a little bit about, you know, childhood, and then, you know, just talking a little bit about education and I'll say education from an undergrad standpoint. So right now we're at 22 years old. And from there I began a 18 year traditional marketing career and mm-hmm. and and i would just describe a few stops along the way yeah. the the brands that you would know the logos that you would know miller brewing mm-hmm. um discover okay. card ge mm-hmm. at&t mm-hmm. citibank uh wellpoint health net mm-hmm. so i bounced from financial services to telecom to healthcare. So within those years, I I was, I went through the ranks in each of those locations, uh, meaning went up upwards pretty fast. And Mm -hmm. I would say, if you said, all right, well, what was one of the trophies you're most proud of in your twenties, early Mm twenties, I'd say one, one, that comes to mind for me was at Discover Card. Discover Card, I at 24 was given a task force to lead 
to create the first private label Hispanic credit card. And that was because I had the ear of my vice president of marketing and I, I saw yeah. Coca-Cola targeting the Hispanic market. And I pitched to her, Hey, I think we should do something for this segment too. And she mm -hmm. said, okay, I'll give you a task force. See what you can do. And yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I think another lesson that I've learned through the years is I've always felt like I was above my head in most of the rules that I've been at. Like it was bigger than mm -hmm. me. And by it being bigger than me, it caused me to work harder. So 24 year old yep. leading a room of average age 35, talking about something mm -hmm. I really knew very little about other than it's, it's of my, yep. it's of my heritage. So having the heritage of being Hispanic that's still not enough to start launching a hundred million dollar credit card, which ended up happening. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so as, as we look at in what's the perfect plan, um, I thought I was on the perfect plan with all of those companies, but each mm -hmm. one, I ended up being right-sided uh, at each one of those. There's major mergers. Dean would discover card. Mm -hmm. There's Citigroup and Travelers, there or Citibank and mm -hmm. Travelers Group. So it became Citigroup, uh, SBC, and AT and T. So I ended up getting yep. um, Rift and all of those locations. So within the first twelve years, thirteen years, I almost had eleven different jobs that fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I should probably extend the time. I would say. 15 years, 11 jobs, probably that's probably what the, the time frame is. But no matter what, it was a lot of bouncing around. Mm -hmm. Building, would you say? Of course, I would absolutely say building, evolving, because every jump that I made, it was thinking of, thinking of a stairwell. It was six steps higher, 10 steps higher. So if I would have stayed in any mm -hmm. of those companies – you only go one step yep. higher each year. So that's what happened is like all of a sudden I'm jumping six steps with each transition. So I figured out, mm -hmm. I figured out how to master the first hundred days of each transition. And I put together a, yep. an approach that got me radically invested in the culture before I walked through the door. And that's how I was able to make yep. radical change within the first hundred days and, uh, and it made a difference for sure. Would you, would you like to delve into that? I think that's something that my audience would really, really appreciate. Yeah. So the first, if we're going to create some, some keys, I'd say the first key is to do due diligence on fit. And what I mean by fit, uh, I'm a six, two guy, six foot, six feet, two inches, I'm about 180 pounds. If I go get a suit, go get a suit off the shelf, the waist is 40. I'm a 33, 34. So my point with that is no suit will ever fit me <laughs> off of the rack. Think yeah. of a job the same way, that it is not going to fit you just because they give you an offer or that they – or they mm -hmm. give you an opportunity to interview. It is your job to make sure it fits. And if that's culture, if it's location, 
if it's core values, if it's um, the, the intention or purpose of the organization, if it's compensation, if it's benefits, there's so many things that could create fit for you. So that's what I would say is understand the fit. Second, second yeah. thing I would say, ask, talk to as many people as you can about the culture, current employees, LinkedIn is an amazing resource. Most people will respond to you. Uh, if you say, Hey, I'm interested in your culture. I'm considering joining your organization. Do you have five minutes to talk to me about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now this is, I want to go back to step okay. one actually yeah. Yeah, for a second, because I actually have a story about that. Um, shortly after I left my previous workplace. So I knew that I wanted to continue working on my business and I knew that in order to do that, I needed the appropriate com company culture. And just like you said, I think I, I turned down between eight and 10 offers for jobs and countless more for interviews before I settled on the company that I'm on in right now. And I say settled, which is not necessarily the right word for it. I deliberately chose to be here because I believe that one, this culture, the people that work here are like-minded. Secondly, they're going to give me the flexibility I need to do what I, I'm working on. And thirdly, I'm surrounding myself with people that are just as driven and understand the the entrepreneurial landscape better than I do because I can learn from them. I like that. I like that a lot. <clears throat> what stood out for me after going through that pre-work, because it's pre-work, mm -hmm. as you do the pre-work, you're, you're, you're choosing versus being chosen. And you just said yes. that. It's like, I'm choosing and I'm not being chosen, which means I'm interviewing them. And yes, they think they're interviewing me, but I'm interviewing them. So that, that was another part <laughs> yeah. of a switch that put me in a, a, a really distinct advantage. Because if I tell you I've been at 11, 12, 13 companies in so many years, that means I'm pretty good at interviewing. And then if mm -hmm. I describe to you the landscape on all the rifts and right siding, that's business. Mm -hmm. So getting yeah. good at, <coughs> excuse me, getting good at, um, you know, just interviewing and doing the pre-work before interviewing, uh, it, it matters. It matters. So now let's mm -hmm. say this, let's say we've determined the fit. Let's say we've got an offer. The moment yeah. that I sign the offer, I started working. So let's just say, they say your start date is a month later. I started working that day. And what did I do? Join me and John next week for part two to find out what he did. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Why Should I Care? You can find us on Instagram at Building Intrigue, Facebook, facebook.com slash Building Intrigue, or you can email me directly at shashir at buildingintrigue.com.